we both watched La Bamba, the 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 movie yeah, about Richie Valens starring Lou Bega, not Lou Bega. <laughs> what was his name? <laughs> what is it? Who oh is Lou God, Bega? Is Lou Bega is the fucking uh, Lou Bega's uh, Mambo number, number five. five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lou Diamond Phillips. Why did I say Lou Bega? Oh I don't my know. God, that's so good. I don't know. Yeah, starring Lou Bega. Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! This is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast where every week we get into a different album from a different artist, band, whatever. We break down that album. We uh, we find out all the secrets. We uh, we do all the all the legwork so you guys don't have to. You just have to listen to the pod and enjoy Man, yourselves. Lazy fucks. Yeah, you motherfuckers. Um, so while you're listening, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Give us five stars, please. Please go do that. Uh, follow us on the social medias, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Asinine Radio. Uh, we have a Discord server if you want to join that. Jo- uh, let us know. We'll send you the link. You can uh, join us, talk shit on each other, on us, even if you want to. Uh, you can also set, we have a phone number. You can call us, leave us a voicemail, send us a text message. The phone number is 503-893-5307. Um, also, because we're not doing an album ranking album rankings this week, we're actually going to start this with our six degrees of Tom DeLonge. So if you don't know what that is, uh, it's where we connect the artists of the week to Tom DeLonge in some weird way. So uh, let's start with you, Jeff. Or no, I guess you only have one. You have two, one. so you should start yeah, with Yeah, so I'll, I'll, start, I'll start with mine. Okay. So this one kind of is a... This one took me a little while, but uh, we're going to start with uh, uh, Richie Valens, his, uh, his song Framed was actually written by two guys named Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller. Uh, Donald Fagan from Steely Dan covered also covered one of their songs called Ruby Baby. Donald Fagan has a song called True Companion, which was on the heavy metal music, movie soundtrack. Uh, Devo was also on that soundtrack with their song, song Working in the Coal Mine, and Josh Freeze is in Devo, and then Josh Freeze to Blink-182. Blink one eighty two to Tom DeLonge. Mm. So that's my first, my first uh, okay. six degrees of Tom DeLonge, and that one, that one actually took me a while. That was a tough one. So, okay, what do you got for yours? This one, this one took me like four minutes. And <laughs> uh, Richie Valens went to San Fernando High School. Okay, in, in Los Angeles, Los Angeles County. That's the same high school George Lopez went to. Oh. The um, the iconic guy. He actually George Lopez is pretty funny. I, I, He's fine. I, I like George Lopez. I love him, but I like George Lopez. George Lopez uh, had his own show called the George Lopez Show, and one of the guest stars in the show was Ashley Tisdale. Ashley Tisdale had worked with super producer John Feldman. Ah, yes, yes. And uh, John Feldman was uh, you know the creative control over Blink One Eighty Two, the same band Tom was in. So there you go. Yeah, he uh, he wrote two Blink One Eighty Two albums. Um, <laughs> all right, so so my other one, we start with Richie Valens, obviously. Uh, he uh, he had a song, also the same song, Framed, that was written by Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller. Same song, 
same song. Stong. Um, same song. Uh, there was a rendition of this particular song uh, from on the Cheech and Chong movie, Up in Smoke, during the whole uh, when they're when they're in court and uh, they're talking they're talking about the judge. So they, it's their own rendition of the song. Uh, Cheech Marin was uh, was on the Corn album, Follow the Leader. He did a version of Earache My Eye with them. He sang the vocals on it. And uh, Feldy has co-written a song with Corn off one of their newer records. And then Feldy to Blink, Blink to Tom. Mm. So there you go. Easy peasy. That last one like came to me instantly once I realized, once I remembered that that song was in Cheech and Chong. I was like, oh, okay. This is easy. Wow, ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there you go. That, that's our Six Degrees with Tom DeLonge. Uh, let's just jump right into uh, our album of the week. So what are we doing this week, Jeff? Go. We are doing Richie Valens' album, Richie Valens. Richie Valens was born May 13, 1941, as Richard Valenzuela. He began his professional musical career in May 1958 at just the age of 17 and died February 3, 1959. Uh, Valens put out only only singles while still alive, but did have two full-length albums released after he died. Uh, but today we're obviously doing his, his real only full-length record, uh, his debut record that came out uh, in March 1959, not even a month after he died. So... Uh, with that that short little synopsis, uh, what is your um, what is your origin story with Richie Valens? Go. So, like La Bamba is my origin story. Just as a kid, I mean, I grew up in a very Hispanic area. Half my family's Hispanic, so I just I've heard La Bamba so many fucking times. I don't like the song. I really, I really just don't. I think it's cheesy. <laughs> I think Richie Valens' version is actually pretty trash. I think it's terrible. I don't like it. And I've heard it goddamn a thousand times. So like growing yeah. up, listening to La Bamba, I've hated it for so many years. Fast forward to college and FJC. This is like 2006. I took a history of rock and roll class with a friend of the pod, Brian. And our our teacher played the saxophone. So it was really cool because he would play all these like old songs and kind of like throw in like his little saxophone solos into it. And it was, it was a fun class. And it gave me like a re like a restart essentially on rock and roll music circuit like fifties and then also Richie Valens. And that's when I heard mm-hmm. like O'Donna and come on, let's go. And so I, I was just, I was blown away. And then ever since, ever since like really college, I've just had this fascination, which is Richie Valens and like fifties rock and roll. 
and also kind of stems back to you from working at Knott's Berry Farm, like the working. I worked on the boardwalk, is what they called it. It was a it was a mm-hmm. throwback to like fifties era. So we played a lot of Richie Valens, a lot of Big Bopper, a lot of Buddy Holly, Eddie Cochran. These old guys, I listened to a lot of them. And so there's a lot of nostalgia involved with this. But Richie Valens is a guy that I never really cared about because I cannot stand the Bomba. <laughs> I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm really fucking surprised. <laughs> it's annoying. I can play on the guitar and I know the fucking words and I sang it for extra credit and my junior year of high school and I just I can't can't do it hate it <laughs> all right so uh, so that that's your origin story with with Richie uh, my origin story is is also the song La Bamba I don't remember the first time I've heard it but it had to have been on some TV show uh, movie or something I don't even know I I didn't see the actual biopic until after even high school so I know it definitely wasn't from that um, but yeah, I, I I have no I have no recollection of ever hearing him for the first time, but I know I was a kid, and it was La Bamba, so that that's kind of why we play. It. I don't think it's I I think it's a good song. I'm not a hater. I'm not a hater like you. Hater, but uh, yeah, it, it's a solid song. So that that's kind of my origin story with it. Um, so let, let's get into this record. I mean, we're gonna dive deep not only into this record, but you know his very short career. His uh, his the plane crash that he that he died in and and just kind of rock and roll and a little bit of rock and roll in general. I'm not huge on the whole thing, so you might have to fill in some gaps for me. But um, but yeah, so let's let's get our initial thoughts on this record, and then if we have any stinkers, and uh, and then we'll go with our bangers. So what do you got, Jeff? Go. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say like like as far as rock and roll goes, we're only going to go to like 1960. So this will be a, a good. Because I, I I watched a lot of documentaries this week, and I listened to a lot of not just Valens, but I was I listened to a lot of fifties rock and roll, and I have a lot of fifties rock and roll, and I love that era of rock and roll, and I love the concept of rock and roll in the fifties, and mm-hmm. uh, so like we'll keep it to the fifties here, but I I do have this album, I have this album on the vinyls, I have a nineteen fifty nine pressing of this album, it's a mono pressing, it's an do you OG really? pressing, I do, yeah. no shit, I didn't know yeah. that. This is, I got this super early on. The jackets beat the shit. The record plays fantastic. Very minimal surface noise plays through and through. And, uh, this is, this is like, this is probably like my top 10 favorite records that I own. I think this was in my year end list when we first started doing the vinyl things. This was one of my favorite records that I picked up, but this is for sure is in like my top 10 favorite, favorite vinyls that I own just because it's an original pressing, and it has it has the the first the first song. That's my little Susie. It's misnamed as as um, I don't have it in front of me, but it's misnamed as something else. I got mm-hmm. a girl named Sue. I think it's called I got a girl named Sue. Um, fuck. That sounds know. kind of familiar. That sounds kind of familiar. Yeah. So it, it's it's just really cool, and I, I'm I'm really happy about it, and um, it's cool. So so given that, I I don't think that. My first impression of this album, I don't have any stinkers. La Bamba is the closest I have to a stinker because I really don't like that song. I think it's cheesy. I think it's a complete exploitation of Richie Valens. He doesn't speak Spanish. <laughs> he he spoke very little, if any, Spanish. His family didn't really speak a lot of Spanish. And so to, to kind of not force him, but to encourage him to sing a, a Spanish song to kind of build up the Hispanic part of him, I think is one yeah. thing. It's a little... Exploit, exploitative, exploitative. Yeah, exploited. Yeah, exploitative. Exploitative. 
I think that's a word, right? I feel like they exploited Richie Valens, <laughs> yeah, specifically his manager. I feel like they exploited him a little bit to, to kind of get that that full-on Hispanic heritage while also kind of getting rid of Richard Valenzuela but calling him Richie Valens. So they, it's like you want him to be appealing to the masses, but then you change his name to a more like white person-friendly name, but then make him sing La Bamba. I think it's just all gross and, and shitty. A little backwards. It's stupid. Um, so La Bamba, I honestly, that's the closest I have to a stinker, and it's fucking close. I can, I really cannot stand that song, <laughs> like at all. All right, all right. So obviously, we're gonna get into to this song first because since we already played it. But my initial thoughts, real quick, uh, I, I think this is a really, a really fantastic record as well. I have no stinkers. There's, there's one okay song, um, but otherwise, uh, they're all, they're all bangers. And I have this one on vinyl as well, but mine is a repress. It's a new repress from a couple years ago, uh, but I would love to have <laughs> to have an OG pressing of this. That would be super fucking rad. Um, but otherwise, yeah, this is I, I really enjoy this record. No stinkers, and let's just get right into it. Let, let's start with La Bamba, uh, since we already played it, and arguably it is his biggest hit. It, it truly is his biggest hit. Um, so where does this sit for you on the banger list? So you're very far away since you're probably getting a beer. I'm coming right now. I'm here. There All right. Is. All right. Yeah, because I, I, I had to grab it because I couldn't remember what the fucking name was. <laughs> yeah, so the, the first track the first track's supposed to be... Um, fuck, now I just deleted it. I can look at my notes on my computer, actually, on my new MacBook that I have. Mm-hmm. The, the first track's supposed to be my little... That's my little Susie. And on the original vinyl... It says, I got a gal named Sue. And so that's okay. how you that that's how you can tell it's an original pressing is that misprint. And then also the label. The label is a certain color of, of like sea foam green with like circular things on it. And so it's just um I don't know. It, it's a cool little piece that I owned and I'm I'm I know, it's not worth like that much money. Like a good condition as you can probably get for like forty, fifty bucks, but like I, terrible. I got it from somebody's like closet that was just giving away vinyl, and I was like, "Holy fuck, this is really cool!" Like, this, can I have this? Yeah, you can have it. I'm never gonna listen to it. So that was cool. And they just bought it, probably all just casually back in 1959. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, La Let's let's get into uh, La Bamba and just how. Yeah. So so this sits on your. Is. This is your 12B, right? This, no, this is not a B. This is a, this. Honestly, oh, this is an B. okay song. It's close to a stinker. <laughs> It really right. is. I really right. cannot stand this song. I mean, this is my 4B. This is my 4B. Oh, man. I really, I think this is still a really good song. I, I don't know why you hate it so much. I think it's just because it's been overplayed for you, but it's still a really fucking excellent song. I just, I, I, I think there's like, so like we both watched La Bamba, the, the, the movie yeah, about Richie Valens starring Lou Bega, not Lou Bega. <laughs> What's his name? <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Who oh is Lou Bega? Lou Bega is the fucking uh, Lou Bega's uh, Mambo, Mambo number, number five. five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lou Diamond Phillips. Why did I say Lou Bega? Oh I don't my know. god, that's so good. I don't know. Yeah, starring Lou Bega. <laughs> That'd be funny. Yeah. So, so uh, Los Lobos. Los Lobos did a a version uh, of it um, god, for the La Bama movie, and it's it's a lot better. I mean, given Los Lobos are a better <laughs> band than Richie Valens was, they've had way more time to perfect their craft. But the La Bamba song by Richie Valens, I just I think it's 
you know, like that 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 thing I do about dogs like begging for a treat, like you put your hands up like a dog, mm-hmm. like this. Oh, like in like in Wedding Crashers when the seal, you know, and he pulls his tie <laughs> to the side, like that. That's that's this fucking song, dude. It's just like it's pandering. It's gross. It's not good. Oh man. It showcases a little bit of, of Richie's guitar playing, which is actually really good. Like, he's a fantastic guitar player. Being, he, he is. He really is. Being yeah. just like seventeen, and and of this era, like he's a really good guitar player. And just I think I think Labama is just is you're you're exploiting like like the Hispanic culture, and it's it's um I I understand it from a monetary standpoint. I get it. You want that, you want that vote. You want that demographic to follow you, but fuck, man, it's just so stupid. I mean the the movie because I watched the movie just this morning, and in in that it shows that Richie was the one who who wanted to sing it in Spanish, but the no. producer Bob, I mean yeah that's not how it's told like in history books or whatever, but in the movie it, it is Richie who who wants to do it in Spanish, right? But I don't know, and like what I. Another thing with the movie that I kind of, I mean, first we get into everything Richie Valens, I guess. But another thing about the movie is, is the guy that plays Bob Keane or or um, Robert, yeah, yeah. Kuhn, whatever his name is, that guy that I forgot what his name is, but he always plays like a, a an unscrupulous character in every movie I've seen him <laughs> in. He's always a bad guy, and he's in Sopranos. He plays Ralphie in the Sopranos. That's right. But also he plays he <laughs> and played he's like a, a terrible character in that. He he was in The Matrix, and he was the guy that like betrayed everybody in The Matrix. So oh, just, that's right, he was. Just, yeah, <laughs> just seeing him in the movie as 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 Robert Kuhn, Bob Keane, it's just it's just like, damn, dude, like, why did you pick that dude? So I don't know. But, but he's a good actor. I mean, he he is a good actor. I mean, he was great in Bad Boys, in all the Bad Boys movies. We, I just watched those in the last six months. No, that's true. That's true. And he was he was the 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 chief police. Yeah. Chief. It was kind of a douchebag, but no, he was he was fine. But he was he was funny, like yeah. he was a little and, endearing. And to be fair, he's he's probably played in like seventy movies, and I've only seen him in four. And the four that I just happened to watch, he's a bad <laughs> Actually, guy. It's funny you say that because it says that he's been in over hundred fifty. Oh my uh, god, hundred fifty television shows, movies, and theatrical performances. Really? Yeah, that's what it says. I mean, I read that earlier today. I'm yeah. not looking at it right now, but that's what I read earlier today. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I'm. Um, I, no, I don't. I, I. I think. I. I know. I don't know. I. I truly believe that that the, the Bamba song is something Richie Valens because he grew up in in like that air er, that area of, of like Pacoima, grew up in the San Fernando Los Valley, Angeles. Yeah. yeah, a very Hispanic area, very, very blue collar, very hardworking, and he grew up yeah. listening to like Hispanic mariachi music, banda music. So uh, he's heard this song, you know, a thousand times for sure. But for him to press it, I don't. I don't think that because there's nothing else in his like repertoire that even come close to sounding like Lumbaba, Lumbamba, Lumbamba. <laughs> but also, you know, he he was only he was only recording music for eight months I know. before he died. I know. So it, it's it's hard to kind of believe certain stories because he was around for such a small small amount of time. Yeah, but he, he, dead, he was so. Like, but and he was him. such a an influential person to other musicians. I mean, a lot of people like, you know, say he was the first, like the first one to, to, to mix rock and roll. I mean, he was the first person to mix rock and roll with, with, um, with Spanish and, and that, and the Hispanic culture and, and, you know, what with is like the first like Chicano rock artist of all time. Yeah. The first Chicano, like 
um, musician that was able to cross over into mainstream. And a lot of people have cited him as like, you know, huge influence, influence and huge influence just because of that, not necessarily his, his songs or his guitar playing, just, just the fact of who he was. Yes. And, uh, wildly, wildly influential. And that's like something that we can, that we can appreciate because I mean, arguably we wouldn't have Santana, you know, we wouldn't have Mm -hmm. these other like, like Hispanic, driven groups had it not been for Richie Valens we just it it could possibly not have been a thing and so something very different than what we have now like I get it I like it you know I think it's great but I still don't have to like La Bamba because I don't and I don't fucking care (laughs) and I mean it's it's it is a a traditional song but he kind of made it his own in a way and for kind of from what I was reading it came from the Veracruz region of Mexico and I, I think it said the first time it was ever recorded was in the 1930s. Yeah. Um, and then some people have claimed like it, they, they it came out of the jungle. It came from the jungle and like they've tried to like make it this like mythic thing. And uh, but yeah, the, the first recording of it was in 1930 in the 1930s. Yeah. I mean, like like Veracruz, it's super South Mexico. That's like that's South. It, I, I didn't look it up to see how, how far it's, away it was. It's almost as South as you can get without it like curving back because like Mexico curves back up north into the Gulf. Yeah. So it's almost as south as you can possibly get in Mexico. So it's like okay. it's like Mexico, Mexico. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's not whitewashed at all. I'm sure. No, it West, is so like, far. Yeah. We're almost in South America at that point. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, I mean, we already played it. I mean, lyrically, it there's nothing here really lyrically. It's. I mean, I I will preface this whole thing by saying song. there's not a lot here lyrically with any of these songs. Oh yeah, no, you're right. You're this totally is, right. This it's, is the '50s. We're we're still coming into our own of of rock and roll. We we don't know. We're, this is all uncharted territory. So there's not a yeah. lot here lyrically with any of these. All songs. and I mean, when you think about it too, I mean, Valens wrote. I mean, out of the twelve songs he wrote, I think seven of them. Out of the twelve, the other ones were were written were covers essentially. Um, but out of those those six or seven that he did write. He, I mean, when you think about it, he was 17, 16, 17 when he wrote these songs. So they're not going to be very deep. They're going to be about what every 16, 17 year old kid thinks about at the time. And that's girls and, and I, falling in love. And, you know, that's, that was just, that's all that was going on back then in the fifties. And I, I, so. I asked like out of the, you're right. I think it was like six or seven of them out of the 12 he wrote himself. Is that a lot? Is that not enough? Or is that as much as you expect? I think that's a lot for. I do this, too. I think it's a because, lot because because of the quality of the songs. Yes. On top of how quickly they were written, because I I think some of them were written prior to him going into the studio with Bob, but then from what I was reading too, he he did write. I mean, obviously a couple of the songs, Bob has has co write has co write credits, co writing credits. So. I would say I would imagine at least a few of them were written prior to the prior to him going into the studio. But still, you know, it's but, it's such a small amount of time. Like the movie kind of makes it seem that he has ideas before he hooked up with Bob, but then mm-hmm. after that, like Bob really helped him flesh out all the songs, which I I I agree to some point. But the fact that like Richie had been playing guitar off and on and goofing off with songs when he was a kid, I I, I feel like he had a lot of songs written prior to his meeting with 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 Bob. Yeah, I mean, and also when you think about what, like reading it more about him too, he uh, he he was he was left-handed, but he forced himself to learn 
to play right-handed on the guitar because at the time there were there's no such thing as a left-handed guitar. It well, just didn't yeah. exist. That's all he could afford so, too. Like his family's yeah, not going to yeah. buy him another guitar. So he he forced himself to learn right-handed, which is already a very difficult thing to do. I mean, I that's insane. Uh, and on top of that, he taught himself how to play the drums as well, just because he was so driven as a kid. And when he was in in middle school, he would bring his guitar to school every day and just play music for his friends and just sing and and just have a good time with his friends and peers. So, yeah, it started at a very uh, very young age. I just, I can't. Believe, it just still boggles my mind how tragically cut short his life was. And that's that's the reason why I think that's the main reason why he's so he will live in like infamy forever because of that. Because like, honestly, like if I'm going to be as objective as I possibly can, this, there's only a handful of songs here that are truly iconic rock and roll songs of the fifties. Everything else is just more covers of the same things, the same type of things we've heard over and over and over specifically like the second half of this album is all covers. And it's just, it's covers. It's covers of songs that, that we've already heard like, numerous times and so there's nothing inherently like unique about this other than the fact that he was super super young and he was like hispanic and so i think that had he not died and this is just like who gives a fuck what this even means but had he not died he could have had a very prolific fantastic career or he could have faded out into obscurity just like a lot of the other 50s rock and rollers so i think because he died early on he cemented himself in in the the upper echelon of fifties rockers. True, yeah, and I watching the movie too. It, it kind of made it kind of reinforced that fact in my mind as well. Like, obviously, it's a movie, so a lot of stuff is is dramatized. It's more more exaggerated than than real life, and I don't know. I I feel like people are just people just think of him too too highly. Not to say he's he's not talented or or anything, and that that sense but yeah there's definitely definitely just like a nostalgia with him and just i don't know sadness and yeah i I, that's really what it is honestly like i do think of him very highly and that's just because he was doing something for 50 and like dude like without even we even got into like the rock and roll history or anything but like rock Mm -hmm. and roll is inherently like counterculture and and that's yeah, just yeah. that's just what rock and roll is. It should be. It has started off as, and that's that's what I love so much about like rock music is that it is kind of inherently counterculture. And Richie Valens is this little, you know, this fucking fourteen, fifteen year old Chicano dude from like Los Angeles. Like nobody knows who the fuck he is. And rock and yeah. roll is like he wasn't like a, a pioneer of rock and roll by any means. Rock and roll had been around for no, Fats Domino was doing the forties. So we're we're talking almost a decade later, Richie Valens comes up. There's nothing really spectacular about him. Yeah, he's a fantastic guitarist, but Buddy Holly was a way better guitarist, ripped it up yeah. way harder than Richie Valens did. But Richie Valens is just another facet of rock and roll, another facet of of that perfect diamond that made fifties rock and roll so goddamn anti-establishment it's so punk it really was yeah. like 50s rock and roll was so fucking punk yeah they they just didn't give a shit they just did whatever they wanted and and also it's just like i think it's also the mystery of his career like it's people wondering like could he have been he could have been the greatest and but we'll never know like that's also the mystique too like we'll never know how great he could have been because we only know the handful of songs that he actually recorded or even wrote for that matter 
I don't know. But I, I agree with you. Rock and roll is rock and roll of the fifties was very, very punk uh punk minded, I guess you could say. That that's the best yeah, way to put it. We're talking we're talking like post World War Two, right? Yeah. We're people are still reeling, we're still recovering. It's barely five years later the fifties hit. And then now we get I mean, like who knows when rock and roll really started, but like Fats Domino, like I kind of considered like the earliest rock because he was like late forties. Like Bill Haley, yeah, oh, Bill yeah, Haley you, in the can, comments, it was just like yeah, rock around that. the clock tonight. Like these are these are songs that were kind of like the first of rock and roll in the early to mid fifties, and like the movie. I guess we're getting into the history of rock and roll now. You ready for this? <laughs> I mean, you know a little stoked, bit more dude. than I'm I do of this excited. era. Yeah, so you the, know a little bit more. So so yeah. Help me out. So the movie Blackboard Jungle, this was a movie in the mid fifties. And this was like the first time that the mainstream media had used the term rock and roll. And the, 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 uh, the movie had rock around the clock tonight, which I think was the first billboard charting rock and roll song. And that was like 53 ish, 54. And then this, this movie Blackboard Jungle had that song in it. And this movie like caused fucking riots. And it wasn't just because of the rock and roll aspect. It was also notable because it had a mixed race of cast. Like the lead guy was a fucking black dude. Now we're talking, yeah. we're talking early fifties. Now we have, <laughs> we have a mixed race of cast. And then we also have a very aggressive sounding like style of music. Like this is, mm-hmm. this is straight counterculture. This is what rock and roll is about by nature is about just going against the grain, turning things on its head. And that's what made 50s rock and roll so goddamn good is because even like even though I don't like his music in any capacity, but like Elvis, Elvis is a guy who, who I mean, right place, right time, just knowing fuck, the right man. people. But the guy grew up in, in like the South and he grew up going to yeah. like black churches and he, he got all of that, that kind of culture and he soaked it all up. And because he had a, he had a shark for a manager is the reason why he blew up. And Elvis essentially, I mean, he's kind of like the king of rock and roll because he he brought rock and roll to the mainstream. He brought rock and roll to the to the world mass. He brought rock and roll to white people in a way that was acceptable because he was marketed he was so, so well. because he was so counterculture. It was like laughable because people love to hate things, and there was no better <laughs> person to hate than Elvis. Yeah, by the older generations for sure. But that was already 50, 56, dude, 57 by the time Elvis was making music. I mean, we're talking mm-hmm. rock and roll. Like, again, like Fats Domino, like Blueberry Hill. Ain't that a, ain't that a shame? That well, fucking, even even Little Richard was doing it before Elvis was. Little Richard was yeah. like 55-ish. And then but Chuck Berry before. was like 56. Like Chuck Berry and Elvis came out kind of like the same time. See, Chuck Berry was a little different, though, because Chuck Berry invented like the rock star. Like no one moved like Chuck Berry. Little Richard did kind of because, but he was stuck behind a piano. He couldn't really move around that much. Yeah, that's true. And and like even Little Richard, like my God, dude, the guy was like, who knows? Was he gay? Was he not gay? Was he bi? Was he straight? Like he prided himself on every single decade. He would say something different. And it's just like the <laughs> guy was just, he was just a fireball of excitement. And like yeah, that, was unreal. That, like these, but these are all like black people that, I've been doing like rock and roll, rock and roll, rock and roll, rock and roll. And then we get white people that do rock and roll, rock and roll. And that's why Richie Valens like lives up to that, to that hype is because he's, he's a Mexican dude. Mm-hmm. And, and like my favorite rock and roll song of all time is come on, let's go. Like that is, 
That's my one B. That is my favorite fucking rock and roll song of all time. I think that is the best rock and roll song that has ever been. It is so goddamn good. It is perfect. It perfectly it perfectly <laughs> captures like not just like the era of rock and roll in the fifties by its sound, but also just like, dude, let's just go. Let's get away from this shit. Let's be better. And it's just like a seventeen year old writing a song about a girl that he likes. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And like the way he starts <laughs> off with the hey, and then drops into it. My God, <laughs> come on! It's it's really good. And even this song. This is my five B, by the way. Um, it's uh, it has that 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 common Chuck Berry guitar riff. That dan in 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 in. It's that that low high thing that Chuck Berry just pretty much created. You know, in rock and roll. I feel he, or at least he he popularized it to the masses, but. This is at, this, at least that beginning part is so Chuck Berry. But yeah. I, I think this is a fantastic song. I mean, that How guitar is this solo. Your fucking five B. That is insane. We'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, but the guitar solo in this one too. It's it's so simple. It's short. It's perfect. His guitar lead is just it's impeccable. And his tone, forget about it. I know it's his, his guitar tone, tone was on so this entire record. Warm. It was it was gritty. It's so it was clean, dirty. Too. Well, only during certain times though. But he had that. He can. He was able to find sometimes that perfect amount of reverb to throw onto that clean tone, and it sounded so good. But yeah, some songs were were pretty damn gritty, for sure. Mm. Mm. Damn mm. man, mm. it's a banger. Five B though. That is my five B. Yeah, I, let, let's play a little bit of "Come On, Let's Go," and then we'll get him more into that, and then probably fight with with each other some more. So I'm going to. Here's um, <laughs> here's a "Come On, Let's Go" from Richie Valens. There you go. Come on, let's go from Richie Valens. <laughs> that chorus, I mean, it is it is very, very catchy. But mm. having it being my 5B doesn't mean it's bad at all. I think it's a I think it's truly a perfect song, especially in rock and roll. It's it's truly great and considering, like we said, his age and when he wrote this song, it's remarkable. It really is. I, I have nothing negative to say about this. It's just some songs resonated a little more than others. I mean, 
I think, like I said, La Bamba is my number four. So it's it's higher than this. But it's was, only that because... That was a deep it, breath, so I don't I, explode my fucking <laughs> brain outside of my ears. <laughs> just La Bamba is just so iconic, and and you can't help... I mean, for me at least, I, I can't help but, but love that song. I know you hate it, but whatever. It is, it is like, very interesting. Just, I... Honestly, I fucking... God, La Bamba is so close to being a stinker. It really is. I mean, it's definitely not his best, but I oh. understand why people fucking love it. It it totally make, makes sense why people love this song. It's upbeat. It's fast. It's catchy. It's different. There's nothing of this era that sounds like La Bamba. It's guess, very like, unique in itself. I guess it's like a little selfish of me to say that I hate La Bamba because the reason I hate La Bamba is because I think that if I said, hey... Like, do you know who Richie Valens is to somebody in casual conversation as if that would ever come up? And they're like, oh, yeah, he sings La Bamba. <laughs> That's true. And I was like, yeah, he he did do La Bamba. Like, do you know anything else? I imagine them always 100% saying, no, I don't know anything else. And that's why I hate La Bamba. Because, <laughs> like, that's not, that like, that, for real, like, that's not what he's about at all. Like, if you were to play one song for somebody to, like, perfectly in, encapsulate what, what Richie Valens is about... It's not La Bamba at all. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. It would be Odonna or be Donna. Yeah, it should yeah. be. Come on, let's go. But it would be. It would be Donna. Like that's. It'd be Donna for sure. Yeah. Which is probably that, I think, I, that song perfectly, you know, captures everything that he's about. Yes. It really, it really does. But come on, let's go. I, I do love this song. I think it's a fantastic song. He does some really cool thing with his his vocal melodies that. You didn't. I feel like you didn't hear a lot of in rock and roll. Like he he does this like weird swell, this weird swell in his voice in some songs. Yeah, yeah. That that you don't hear. And and to me, at least, I mean, I haven't. I'm no expert in in fifties rock and roll, but uh, I I just haven't heard it that much. But there's, Valens fucking kills it. There's a couple things that he does, and and come on, let's go. One, or I guess three things. One, like you said, yeah, there is a lot of that swell that coming up and doing like that thing. And then like yeah. the, the the yelling, the hey, like letting that play out. He's just like, how long can he go? He can go for fucking days if he wants to. I'll still listen. I don't care. And then like the <laughs> low parts, he goes low, like in the chorus and stuff. He gets really, really low in his voc- in his voice. Like he goes like down like, you know, two, three octaves. Like it's, he's got quite a range on him. Granted, he's fucking 17 and he hasn't really quite come into his, his, his manly f- physique probably because he's. He seemed like a big kid, like watching videos and stuff. He seemed like a like a big stocky like Mexican dude from San Fernando Valley. Yeah, he area. wasn't like a I, I feel like he wouldn't have been like a an Elvis. You know, he wasn't he didn't have the looks to be like an Elvis. I mean Or even a Buddy Holly like, who wasn't like a not to like dog him or nothing, but like everything I've seen is fucking ugly. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, <laughs> it was like an ugly I was trying to be dude. nice about it. I was, I yeah. was trying to be nice about it, dude, but yeah, not he's, attractive at all. He's not a. He wasn't a heartthrob. That that's for sure. Um, but I mean, but it's so funny because like him in real life, he wasn't a heartthrob. But then the guy who plays him in the movie, he's, oh, yeah. you know, he's a good looking guy. Yeah, yeah. Lubega. <laughs> 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 you know, he's a <laughs> he's a good looking guy. You know, but. Yeah, he, Richie Valens. Yeah, he was not a uh, not a looker. Well, he was. You but, know, he he maybe he was just in that awkward seventeen year old phase when he was like twenty three. Maybe he come into like this nice. I don't know. That's true. Yeah. Like and Ricky it, it Martin kinda, uh, looking guy. 
you know? True, yeah. It makes me wonder, too, like, I mean, he was a very good guitar player at this age, at this time period, you know? You know, pre-YouTube and all that kind of shit. Imagine, like, give him, like, if you he didn't die in the crash, if you'd given him, like, 10 years, how much better of a guitarist he could have been. Yeah. Like, just based off of this, he could have been truly a legendary guitar player had he been given more time. Because he, well, he had he had the talent, man. He truly had the fucking talent. So, so like, let's get into your top B, and then I'll get into how, why he was a great musician also outside of just guitar. <laughs> okay, my, my, my so one dying. is Donna. Okay. Donna. Donna. I mean, this right. song, I, right. I, it, it, is, it is the perfect, for me, this is the, if you think of the 1950s music, you think of this song. I mean, this song to me, I, it just has that slow dance, that kind of just romantic feel to it. And then understanding too, like we said, he was so fucking young and you write this song. What 16 year old kid writes the song? 17 year old kid writes this song. I mean, he, he has, he kind of sings it in a lower register. It's just, it's a, it's for lack of a better word. It's a pretty song. It's a beautiful sounding song. And it just, it's so perfect for this era. This is the other side of rock and roll here, because rock and roll essentially would not exist without rhythm and blues, without doo-wop, without spirituals and, and gospel music and blues, but like rhythm and blues and, and doo-wop music, and that's what this song is. This song is, is a rock and roll song that takes heavily from doo-wop and rhythm and blues music, and that's yeah, the absolutely. other side of the 50s rock and roll, and that's why... I don't know that that's that's why this song is really really good is because doo-wop music and and rhythm and blues from the 40s and, and above are is so goddamn perfect it's so great and it just mm-hmm. it's a natural progression to add drums to add a more aggressive guitar tone and to play a little bit faster so that's where we're at with rock and roll but Donna is just it, like it, it's just it's just such a perfect like trifecta of sound of like instrumentation and just of a 17-year-old, probably 16 or 15 at the time, writing a song in high school about a girl he likes. Yeah. Like, come uh, on. I mean, the, the, movie, the movie makes it seem like they were just completely in love and it was way more dramatic than that. But I, I'm yeah. sure in real life it was not, nothing like that. No. It was probably like three weeks. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. If that. <laughs> fucking that. No. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, imagine being, what is it, Donna Lud- Ludwig? Isn't that her name? Yeah. I may have it wrong. Yeah, okay. So Donald Ludwig, can you imagine, you know, he this guy wrote this song for you and literally it's one of, to me, I, I feel like this song is one of the, it's such an iconic song. Like you, when you hear it, you instantly know it. Like you've heard it somewhere at least 20 times. You know, it's it's so ingrained in our culture that like in movies and, t- and, and TV and everything that you, you just know it. And can you imagine being Donna Ludwig and just hearing it all the time, knowing that this song is about you? It's pretty crazy. I mean, it's just... Like, uh, you, you go your entire life hearing this song and knowing it's about you. That's fucking wild. Uh, so, like, f- from what I know about Donna and, and his her relationship with Richie, it was, it was much like you'd expect from a 50s white girl dating, like, a, a Mexican dude. Like, it was... Her parents did not approve of it. It was not good. And so... Mm. It just it was I don't think it was as it was as as romantic and 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 they were as close as the movie portrayed them to be, but I can't imagine like the feeling she had after seeing like the plane go down and realizing like this guy that 
because he never really moved on. Like she kind of probably moved on for whatever, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't think like he ever did because he never got the chance. And so I, I yeah. can't imagine like, what she never, felt he, like. He essentially like dropped out of school <laughs> to go on tour with Buddy Holly. <laughs> which, which is exactly, nuts. which is like, which is like, okay, so w- was Richie Valens like the love of Donna's life? Like, no, like she was 15 and she moved on. But like, was Donna Richie Valens the love of Richie Valens' life? Probably because he died super early and he didn't know anything else. So yeah. I think yeah. having that, like having that type of weight on your shoulders probably like destroyed her for so many years. Yeah, it might have. It really might have. But uh, but I mean, also, and you know, coming back to this, the actual song musically, it, it's a very it's a very stripped down basic song. I mean, the the clean guitar tone is just absolutely perfect to go along with his his vocals. And there's this this harmony behind his his vocal line. I'm not sure if it's like a vocal harmony or if it's like an organ. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like what do what is that? I, I think it's just a backing band that that probably Bob had in the Delphi catalog, or yeah. actually, no, I, I I would I would I think it's safe to assume it's probably just a backing vocal group that he had in the Delphi catalog. That's what okay. that's what yeah. I think. Because I I just I, so I couldn't subtle. figure out. Yeah, it's so subtle that I it, to the point where I wasn't sure if it was people actually singing it or if it was uh, an instrument or something. Cause, I mean, that's very much like doo-wop groups and of, of like the forties and below. So it's, it's very much like the flamingos or the coasters, whoever the drifters, anybody, any of the, the bands coming out, it's the, bands, just, it's, the sums. it's, I don't know. There, it was a, it was a vocal group. So there's one person singing and four people doing harms. So I, I would, yeah, I would true. assume it's just a, a backing band that Delphi had the Bob Keen yeah, had. Probably. Probably Robert Kuhn. Not even that big of a difference in names, but whatever. Um, whatever. All right, so so let's play a little bit of Donna, and then maybe talk about it a little bit more, or move on. I don't know. We'll figure it out after the song. So here it is, uh, Donna from the Richie Valens.
There you go. Donna from Richie Valens. The one and only Richie Valens. Mm. Love songs on the coast. <laughs> um, Uncle Joe Benton over here. <laughs> K year th- well, no no. Coast one oh three point five. Love songs on the coast. Um all right. So yeah, Donna, do we have anything else on this song? Uh no. No, nothing. No, I know. All right, so uh, so what's your uh, what's your two B? What do you got? Go. That was my two B. Oh, okay, perfect, wonderful. I think this is I, fun. I no, I I what? what, you, what? I don't know. I have no idea. How? <laughs> what? <laughs> no, come on, let's go. And then Donna, I think that's that's a one two punch of uh, uh, Richie Val. Yeah, it's crazy because like everybody knows Buddy Holly. Like everybody fucking knows Buddy Holly. And you play a Buddy Holly yeah. song and you say, oh hey, this is Buddy Holly. Most people will be like, "Oh yeah, I know this song," you know, yeah, fifteen yeah. times, twenty times maybe. But if you ask somebody, "Hey, what's your favorite Buddy Holly song?" Like nobody's gonna know. Nobody can n- name a Buddy Holly song. Whereas Maybe Richie Valens, nobody can also name a Richie Valens song. But I swear to God, yeah. man, you play somebody O'Donna or Come On Let's Go, specifically O'Donna mostly, or even La Bamba. Come on, man, that's not a Richie Valens song though. But it, I mean, it was popularized by him. Sure, but. I don't know, but your, your, I, I, your hatred for this is is ridiculous now. At, at some point, at <laughs> like some point, people silly. people will silly. remember because they haven't <laughs> heard it as much. People will, will remember O'Donna more than they would any. Like, what is your favorite Buddy Holly song? I I don't know. I, I honestly, what? See, that's what I'm saying. Like, can you no, name no, any I, Buddy honestly, Holly song? I don't. I don't really know Buddy Holly that well. I really, really don't. If I and if, I would if I started totally singing like ten songs, you would you would know every single one of them too, probably. But I've never I was <laughs> never super into fifties rock and roll. I I've always liked it and I've enjoyed listening to it, but I've never been super 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 into it. Outside of some Chuck Berry, some Little Richard, um, like it's just nothing. It's just not. It hasn't been my thing, but I think it's fantastic stuff. It's it's just. Dude, the guy, I don't know. I, I I love Buddy Holly a lot. I really do. And I think he shredded at the guitar. I thought, I think he's arguably like one of the greatest guitarists of the 50s because okay. he okay. ripped. And if you listen to a lot of some of his like, deeper cuts, and if you've seen him live, like did you watch the Buddy Holly story? Have you ever seen the Buddy Holly story with Gary Busey? I have not. I have not seen it, no. Okay, so like the Buddy Holly story, it started Gary Busey before Gary Busey got really weird looking. It was a young Gary Busey <laughs> and Gary Busey. It was like, pan, it was, I wouldn't say pan, but it was kind of criticized by critics because Gary Busey was like running up and down the stage a lot and like, like kind of shredding on the guitar. And everyone's like, that's not what Buddy Holly did. Buddy Holly just stood there. It's like, no, that's not true. Like if you watch old videos of Buddy Holly, when he got into the root, the, the rhythm, the groove, he did, he shredded, dude. He took, he took little things here and there and, and added lead guitar parts to turn them into solos. He ran up and down the stage occasionally. He did. He shredded a lot. And so Buddy Holly is a guy that that is kind of like regarded as a rock and roller, but as a like a, a Weezer Blue album rock and roller, right? Just a very <laughs> yeah. subdued, calm. And that's not the case. That's not the case at all. The dude fucking shred. Waylon Jennings was his fucking bass player for God's sakes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like, come on. Like the dude shred at the guitar. I, I, I honestly think that Buddy Holly is the best or one of the best guitarists of the fifties. Honestly, that 
that's not a, I mean, that's not a bad argument. I mean, that's not a bad argument to make at all. And I, this is, this is like, this is in comparison with like Chuck Berry with Johnny B. Good is arguably one of the most iconic rock and roll guitar riffs of all time. I get it. But Buddy yeah. Holly, dude, Buddy Holly could rip, like the dude could rip at the guitar. But he doesn't have the songs, at least that we recognize like Chuck Berry does with Johnny B. Good. Like, you know, that'll be the day, right? That'll be the day until I die. Okay, that'll yeah, be yeah, the day song, yeah. we'll say goodbye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then every day, every day, it's a getting closer. Yeah, yeah, okay, I know that song. It's all Buddy Holly song. You know Peggy Sue, probably. You know fucking Rave On and other Wiley Pot. You know a lot of big <laughs> Buddy Holly songs. They're crazy. Crazy pop. I mean, we'll we'll do we'll eventually do Buddy Holly and, on the pod, but... Right now, yeah. God, he was fucking twenty-two when he died. For God's yeah, sake! So I didn't. I never realized how young he was when he died. I thought he was a little bit older, but no, the I mean, oldest like guy Richie was Valens. the big bopper. He was the old man. He was what 28. is that? Like Twenty-nine? Okay, he's twenty-eight. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the old guy. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Oh, it's insane. It's fucking insane. Should we should we talk about that right now? The day the the day rock and roll died, or well, the, I, the day so like, died. What I was going to talk about. And then it leads up to that was how great of a musician Richie Valens was. He wasn't just a guitar player, so he played drums, and he played yeah, drums yeah. very, very well. And there's limited, limited footage of him actually on a kit, and like you got to really, really search for it. And it's only like clips, and I don't even know if they're real or not. So who knows? But he was on tour with Buddy Holly and just, yeah. you know like Dion and the Belmonts, which is a fucking phenomenal duop group. And I know you know a lot of their songs too, but. <laughs> he was on tour with these groups and th- like it was a brutal tour. And instead of like planning out the tour where you would go from city to city to city and it would make sense in like a circular motion, they ended up going to to these these concert venues and they would zigzag. They would go from from one city and then drive, you know, 300 miles the next day to the next city and then go backtrack. It was just a poorly planned trip and that's kind of like what led them to get on the fateful plane that killed them. But what happened on this trip was that their backing band wasn't always kind of like reliable. So they would switch up like Richie Valens would play drums on Buddy Holly and Buddy Holly would play drums for like the big bopper and the big bopper would play drums for Richie Valens, which is fucking dope. It's so cool. It's so like, cool. my God. I re- reading about that last tour the which they, which they, you know, some people have called the, the tour from hell or the tour of hell. Yeah. Because of just, I mean, there's so many terrible stories from that. I mean, every band member, Every guy like had the flu at some point during that that tour, and like you said, driving you know driving three hundred miles south for a date, and then driving a hundred miles north again, and then fifty miles south. Like it was just a shit show of an itinerary, and they were playing literally every day. Like they had no days off. They were going in February, the middle of winter in the Midwest, to when it got below zero temperatures Fahrenheit. And on top of that, they had to go through. They went through multiple buses. No heat on any of the buses because it kept breaking down. All the buses kept breaking down, and it was a fucking shit show. The whole thing was a shit show. It's insane yeah. <laughs> that, that even it, happened. It's, it's oh my god! And because of all the people being sick and being delayed and late, they had to fill in for each other. And that's so that is so cool. Like the camaraderie of that as well. Like when you think of it, not just the talent, but the camaraderie that that they were all in it together. For to make probably a shit wage for that tour, yeah, they made. It's insane. I mean, like Buddy Holly made the most the most money, and yeah. he passed most of that along to like living arrangements. And living arrangements was the bus, and they had 
just on that 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 Wisconsin trip. I mean, I've never really been to West. I've never. I should say real. I've never been to Wisconsin, but I know a lot of people that have moved to Arizona from that area. And judging by the temperatures, they tell me there's no fucking way you could do a tour of Wisconsin in a school bus in an unheated, unlike insulated <laughs> school bus. Yeah, in like six feet of snow wherever you go. Like that's that's what they toured in in the fifties where there wasn't. <laughs> Adequate cell phone reception. There wasn't a hostel. Every you know, well, there were eight there miles. Were no cell phones. Exactly. There was nothing. <laughs> they could do nothing. And yeah. like all of the stories that I read and interviews of of other people, like Waylon Jennings and other people that were on the the tour with them, like all they did was essentially like cuddle next to each other and try not to die. And, try not to freeze, yeah. And during the day when they had kind of like an off day where they're just traveling, it was always Richie Valens and Buddy Holly in the back of the bus throwing down like 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 guitar riffs, trading songs, singing, and just kind of like drinking, but not like you would drink like on a normal tour because, you know, they're still yeah. underage. And so they would drink like a little bit. They'd have like one bottle of whiskey for two weeks between eight guys. You know what I mean? So it's just <laughs> yeah, like... Yeah. God, it was just so like innocent sounding. You know what I mean? It was so innocent. It was so, it was so primitive in the way they were approaching their rock and roll music, and they had no fucking idea the impact they will have on like music today. It's just, I know, it's unreal. It's unreal. Like how how high on a pedestal these guys are now, and they had no idea when they're living it. And how many? I mean, just bands that they've they've influenced. I mean, you jumping, you know. Three, four years into the future after they die, you know, the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, you know, going into Deep Purple to Zeppelin to, you know, so on and so forth up until now. I mean, how many bands have been inspired directly from Buddy Holly and Richie Valens? It's insane. It is. It's along with uh, Chuck Berry and, and Little Richard and so on and so forth. But like yeah, rock and roll almost died in like the 80s. Rock and roll almost fucking, or in the, not the 80s, the 50s. Rock and roll almost died, right? Because Chuck Berry got arrested. Elvis joined the military yeah. in the late fifties. Little Richard quit music. Don't forget to become a preacher yeah. because he had like this this near death experience. Eddie Cochran, one of the originators of rock and roll, he died. Jerry Lee Lewis married his fucking cousin. Cousin, yeah. And she was thirteen. He 13, lied yeah, and said she was fourteen, cousin. and he was like twenty four. <laughs> and this dude, and this dude, Alan Freed, who who was a, a, a very famous like like rock and roll pioneer uh, DJ for a radio station, he got he got he got had for payola. The reason why we have laws for payola for radio stations uh, not taking payments from artists and then not disclosing them to the public is because of this guy. And he was he's kind of like the reason rock and roll got put into the mainstream because he played a lot of rock and roll music, much to the distaste of radio stations to the public. And then he got yeah. busted for like taking bribes and like that, like all this stuff in the late fifties, like literally almost killed rock and roll. Like it almost died. Yeah. And that's what, like, that's what the man wanted. Rock and roll is, is anti-man and the man wanted rock and roll to die. And now, <laughs> now we're going to get into the conspiracies of the flight crash. Because there's a lot what of what do you them. got? What do you got? Conspiracy. I mean, I, I w- when I was reading about it, I was actually very surprised at how detailed everything was. Like oh, down yeah. to the exact moment they they left the ground, yep. to the exact moment when they disappeared from eyesight, and so on and so forth. It's crazy how documented, how well documented this entire incident was. Because there's the a lot of, of a lot of conspiracies of this, 
And what, like, what do you got? So, so the way I read it, the reason why there's so much detail is because of the conspiracy that have arose from the crash, and they went back later on and kind of like recreated everything and really figured out what happened. And so one of the big things was that Buddy Buddy Holly was thrown from the aircraft, right? He was yeah. thrown from the aircraft, and he was so far from the aircraft. No, sorry, not Buddy. Big Bopper. No, no, it was Big they're, Bopper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think they were both thrown from the aircraft. But Big Bopper was thrown so far from the aircraft that people thought that he tried to, like, crawl for help before he died, which kind of, like, thought, okay, maybe they didn't crash as hard as we thought they crashed. Maybe it was, like, mm-hmm. a instead of, like, a nosedive, maybe it was, like, a slow descent and they, they eased into like a paper airplane and then he was thrown because if, if you're in a nosedive, you're like, there's no way you're surviving that nosedive. Yeah. And so true. that was, that was one reasons why, why one reasons, one reason why people thought there was like a conspiracy because the bib opera has been thrown and there were crawl marks, whatever that was later turned out to be like, not true. There was no crawl marks. He was dead instantly. Just thrown. Well, there was from a, the, aircraft. the second autopsy too. His son had an autopsy done in like 1991. Yes. They, very they, recent. Yeah, they they actually um, what is it? What's that word? They exhumed, exhumed. Yeah, yeah, they exhumed, exhumed his, exhumed? his yeah. grave. Yeah, and, and they, they, the second autopsy showed that it was blunt force trauma amongst yeah. other things. Died instantly. Yeah, yeah. The other the other one was uh, Buddy Holly had a gun. Buddy Holly had a gun, mm-hmm. and the gun mm-hmm. the gun accidentally went off and killed the pilot, and the pilot nosedived, and that's how they all died. And this, I think this one was brought on by Buddy Holly's wife at the time who had said like, oh, well, Buddy Holly had a gun and, and he didn't really know how to use it. And, mm-hmm. you know, he was young. And this one was, I mean, obviously they, which I, honestly, I don't know how the fuck they do this. Because if you got a plane falling from the sky that slams into the ground and he erupts into a ball of fire, like how do you look at somebody's mushed up head and say, nah, he didn't die from a gunshot. Like, you know what I mean? Is there any head left? Uh-huh. Like how much head I mean, is left after a thirty thousand dollar or thirty thousand foot descent into the ground? I mean, there's some. I mean, I I think <laughs> I think I think if, if somebody was shot with a gun, you would. I mean, I'm not a forensic <laughs> person at all, but maybe with a gunshot, the bullet the bullet wound would be small enough enough. It would leave a certain like. I don't know. It, I guess it would be small enough to, <laughs> it's just silly. to know that it's not blunt force trauma. I don't know. But like I drop a watermelon from four feet up and it, it disintegrates into a puddle of liquid. How the fuck does a brain like st- or a skull stay intact from 30,000 feet? Well, it doesn't I, I make think, any I sense. Think, I think even when they exhume a body or even when the body is found, they they recreate the bones. Like if it's a if the bone, is, say the femur is broken into seven different pieces, they're going to reconstruct that bone into one piece. Like they're going to lay it all out all flat and they're going to try to re- reconstruct the the body, the skeleton or whatever portion. So when you reconstruct it, it should come back as like a perfect puzzle piece. But if somebody has been shot, it's going to come back as a different looking puzzle piece. If that makes sense. Maybe, make it's just sense? A, maybe it's just about time then, because I understand what you're saying, but like what I think is, is somebody falling from a plane that, far and i mean at that point you're reaching like terminal velocity you're going four five hundred miles an hour straight into earth yeah and like if you if if you just if you had a slingshot of somebody's skull and you slammed it into a brick wall at 500 miles an hour like you recreate that fucking skull and show me what that person looked like before that and i will be impressed because that's that's how i feel you know (laughs) that's how i feel i think i think it's i think it's different like uh during like when it happened you know, especially in 1959, 
you know, a plane crashes and you come across all these dead bodies, you're going to assume everybody died from the plane, like blunt force trauma. You're not going to think anything else. And then the rumors start. And then that's why when it was exhumed in 1990 or whenever it was in the nineties, you know, then they, they, that's when all the body was all a skeleton. There's nothing left. It's just going to be a skeleton. And then they're able to recreate exactly. They're able to piece together things easier than they were to, to do in 1959. Because that was an actual body. And again, I'm not like I'm flesh not, and blood and organs and all that shit. I'm not a forensics guy. I I watch a couple episodes of of Criminal Minds and SVU, like, and they make it look so easy. I just can't imagine. I'm sure it's a very tedious and annoying process. It could take a week to reconstruct one skull, right? Like this is I'm sure probably could, what's yeah. happening. A yeah, team I'm of sure. four guys reconstructing a skull could take a week. Yeah, but they're not going to be doing that when the body is still has skin and blood and tissue and every, all that kind of stuff. They're not going to recreate anything like that. I mean, they're just going to like put it back together and then kind of mold it back to like say you the face is all mangled and torn apart. They're going to put it back to be, together the best they can and then kind of like you know put formaldehyde and all that kind of shit on it. Like, do you see the plane crash photos, like, what the plane looked like? Oh, yeah, it's fucking gnarly. Like, it it looked like just like an engine. Like, honestly, it looked like just somebody took an engine. Like, you could have said, oh, yeah, this is an engine from a... It probably was. From a Corvette. I don't fucking know. I mean, the fuselage, I mean, when you think about it, too, it was like a five-passenger plane. I mean, it was really small anyway. Which means the metal is very thin. Everything's very light. Yeah, so most of the plane was probably an engine. So when it crashed, like the fuselage was just fucking ripped to shreds. Of course, you can't rebuild something like that. There's too many. There's too many parts that you don't know where they go because they look like yeah. other parts. And I feel like that's with the human body. There's a lot of parts on us that we just. I know what but a also, jaw looks like, but I don't know what also, a fucking thigh looks think, like compared to a tricep. But people do like that. That's the thing too. But then also, it's like a puzzle. You know, when you think about it, like if if a human body or a wreckage from a plane or a car. You can puzzle piece it back together. I don't believe so. To an extent, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't. Especially why not? Because I just told you. Because the well, inner no, part no, of no, your no, calf. Say, no. What do you? Do you want me to tell you why? Or are you going to okay, tell, tell me why? I should tell not tell why. why? No, no, tell me why. Tell me because why. the inner part of your 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 calf looks the same as as your tricep, especially when you're 17, 18, 19 years old. Before you have any kind of like scarring on you, before you've you've hit like the driving aids to where you've been in an accident or, or you've been mountain biking. So you have a scar or before you even grown hair on your legs. I mean, we're talking yeah. like smooth, smooth 17 year old skin, smooth 22 year old skin. Like yeah. the difference between a calf and a tricep, especially when you got little chicken legs as a 20 year old, where your, your legs are almost the same width as like your biceps are like there's yeah. to, to tell the difference between the two, mind you, they're all charred. They're all cut up. They're all burnt up. They look like shit. I don't know. I don't believe it. I don't believe you but can also, reconstruct that. But also every, yeah. every, no, no, no. But every bone in the body is different. But you're assuming so, like these things are still connected to the bone. Like you're, that, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like you're but thinking that's what I'm saying. like, you reconnect. like these bodies are chopped up in perfect little pieces that are chopped no, up. I, no, absolutely. No, I like, There could they're, be they're like, not. there could be like 10,000 pieces of Buddy Holly I, stretched out over the desert. Like what? I know. No, I know. That, I, silly I don't disagree talk. with you on that. No. But when you when you go to reconstruct it, when you bring all the body parts together, all the body parts that you can find at least, they have to fit into a place. It's like it's like I said, it's a fucking puzzle. You're rebuilding that puzzle, and that's what it is. And like I said, it, especially when you have bone involved, the bone can be differentiated. Any bone can be differentiated. 
you can figure out what it is because they're very, very distinct. Yeah, muscle, obviously, and skin is different, but bones are very, very, very distinct. That's why we have dental records. That's how we identify a lot of bodies is with dental records because they're very specific and they're very especially specific to individuals. Well, teeth don't generally like like explode and shatter into a million pieces. Like That's why I dental know, records are so easy to do because yeah. when someone gets and into a car insane, accident and, and blows up, their jaw's still sitting there. Because the teeth are the hardest part but of the But the rest body. of them is not still sitting there. The rest of them is but, in 50,000 pieces. I know. Just I because it's a that. puzzle. I understand your puzzle analogy because if you have a puzzle that's 10 pieces and I found eight of the pieces, at least I have a 50-50% chance of determining where the last two pieces go. I get it. Yeah. But no, that's not not nearly that easy. You're having a puzzle piece now where there's fifty thousand pieces, and I, I only know and I only know where ten of those pieces go. No, I don't believe it. I don't buy it. I never once said it. I was think easy. you and I have both been duped by criminal minds. I I don't watch the show. I think it's a stupid show. I think it's impossible. I don't think so. <laughs> that's why people believe like Elvis is still alive. That's why people think Tupac is still alive. That's that's why people think these things. It's because this stuff because is of people impossible. like you. No, because of people like you. Because you think, that, oh, it's easy. That, yep, mm, that's Buddy Holly. Look, I piece them together. So you look at, and then you're like, oh, I'm Buddy Holly. He like move his arms but, up but and down. Like do, he's a but puppet. why do you think these? Con- but why do you think this Buddy Holly Richie Valens thing conspiracy is real? Oh no, I don't think this is real at all. I think they all fucking die. Like for sure. Like there's no way. And you're the worst. We just spent like 15 minutes arguing about this. <laughs> they, they fell from a fucking plane, dude. Like, you're dead. Come on. Are you kidding? Are you joking my ass right now? This is the Come stupidest, this is the stupidest fucking uh, tangent ever. I'm just saying. I call them the seasons. Oh, I can do Man. But anyway, yeah. Do, do, okay, so, so what's your big conspiracy? You know, why were they killed? Oh, no. I don't think they were. I, I mean. I, I'm not saying you think it, but what is this conspiracy? That you're There's, con- about? I mean, this is this is the man. Fifties rock and roll. This is the man. This is, this is three guys. You know, one one is Hispanic, the other two are. I think Richard was white. The Big Bopper was white. Um, but these are these are uh, the rock and roll. Like the man did not like rock and roll in the fifties. They for sure didn't like it in the sixties. But the fifties was a time of of. Man, it was a weird. It was a weird time in America, and America was kind of like the the focal point of rock and roll, obviously, and because you know, America's the best. And this is maybe it was the man killing him. I don't know. You never know. Or they got you shot know, speak, down. Speak, speaking of this kind of stuff, I I went down a weird rabbit hole earlier this week um, with uh, with the FBI and um, and what's his name. Um, Oh my God! Why am I having a brain, having a brain fart? The head of the FBI for like forty years, Hoover, uh, uh, Jagger, Jag Jagger Hoover. Yeah, I went down this fucking rabbit hole. Named a building him. after him. Well, I mean, the there's FBI a lot building. more with with Jagger Hoover, and dude, I spent like three hours just reading about him and just all this different shit. Dude, he did some fucked up stuff. Like he was fucked. Have you ever Have you ever read even like a portion of his kind of st- story? Honestly, like, the only thing I really know about him is stuff that I've watched from conspiracy shows like X-Files, like fantasy conspiracy shows, obviously. Yeah. Like X-Files I mean, and things like that. The, the stuff I was reading wasn't even, wasn't even like conspiracy theory stuff. This is like real shit that was happening that he was doing, that he, caught, that he was caught doing and the blackmail. And dude, he was, he was a fucked up individual. And this is going from the 1920s until the 19, till 73 when he died. You know, the amount of shit that they did, in, that he did in that 50 years and 
can, I can only imagine what's happened since then to now. Dude, it's it's crazy, man. What people can get away with. Like if you, when you have power and money, there's there's you can get with, you can get away with anything. Well, he, I insane. mean, he was never in like I don't know, like he, like he was never he was never a president. Like he was never no, but he controlled presidents. That's what I'm saying. Like, like he, if you're a president, you're you're kind of held to a different standard because you're constantly being watched. But when you're somebody behind the president who's not in like an official elected capacity, because I mean, building the FBI at that point, whenever that was, was like fucking seventies or something or the twenties. 20s 20s yeah, yeah. that's the, right the, the modern fbi 70, that's what it was yeah no the modern fbi was created by j edgar hoover right he, he made he made the fbi like actually i think it was like 1931 it was right after the great depression so when you're like building building an entire legislation of of government that no one's ever seen before and especially like after like the gangster era of america right you're oh, kind that's of a whole nother thing oh. you're like you're like awarded privileges strictly because it's unprecedented there's no there's no source material to base it off of so i'm not now i'm like very curious because now that you you said the oh thing with the with like the mafia and shit i wonder oh man he was dude, i mean from what I'm, i was reading he was so he was so in bed with with the mob like it, it his career started out going after the mob and then it got to the point where he kind of laid off of all of that like the mob really he completely laid off of that of that and just went after other things. You should you should really kind of dive into that. Not I'm outside of the conspiracy yeah. theory stuff, man. It's it's really interesting. What was the, there was, what was the thing that there was a, a the counterintelligence thing that he did? What was it? It was it was called something. Well, I mean CIA is completely different. He didn't he didn't he didn't really do anything CIA no, there was something, wise. It was it was by the FBI. The FBI did something. It was called I mean, like they, I actually have a really good computer. I can just like Google what I'm. Yeah, you to could say, you could so. Google things. It make things easier. But um, oh, COINTELPRO, the, the the counterintelligence program. Oh yeah, that that was yeah. yeah no, that was him. Yeah, that was him. Yeah, there yeah. we go. That was Jagger Hoover. But that, okay, um, so like stemming back to Richie Valens, there's no reason to 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 I don't know, maybe to to scoff at the idea that some of the biggest names in rock and roll were were assassinated, were were shot down, were killed. Were murdered, yeah, because America was not—I shouldn't say America, but like, like old money America did not want rock and roll to succeed. Makes sense. I mean, I I would not be surprised if there was something more nefarious going on. They even tried to discredit Elvis after a while, even though again, Elvis's music, good God, his acting is even worse. But Elvis (laughs) was kind of like a man of the people. Like he 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 really knew where he came from. He knew that the music he was playing was not his and he gave credit where credit yeah. was due and it came out later on that he supposedly said he dropped like an n-bomb at some point and it was never like substantiated like it was it was actually almost all but proven to be false but it still plagued him for years and people constantly brought it up and even like like other members that in the black community that knew elvis very well was like no he did not say that that's not true he would never say that i back him that what he said like never left him because I I think like mainstream politics and, and, and old money politics did not want rock and roll to succeed. And it's yeah. still uh, like up until like the, I mean, I guess like the eighties and music really took a shit. Like people didn't want rock music to survive. 
I have a lot more respect for Elvis after this week. To be honest, I I watched. I've read a lot about Elvis too this week. (laughs) Really? I I mean, I (laughs) I didn't read anything about Elvis because I just have almost zero interest in him because I just I think he's such a hack. I was I was I was really I was really getting into it again. I I love dude. I love fifties rock and roll. I just it's the bee's knees. Truly is. It's it's great. It's some of the most pure music that like we've ever heard ever, and it's just it it came from a place of just. Like fuck it, let's just let's just go for it. Let's just do it. Let's just let's just yeah. have a good time. Let's party. And you watch a lot of these old like fifties movies that feature a lot of these old doo wop groups going into the fifties and like a lot of the early fifties rock and roll groups. And these are bad movies. They're just shit movies. But you watch them and like every <laughs> single one of them are they're mixed race. It's blacks, whites, Mexicans. It's everybody in one fucking room. Mm-hmm. And it's just which is pretty unheard of. It is. It's completely unheard of, and it's just like, like I don't, I don't know when it happened, to where, because at some point, like rock music, the '60s specifically, was dominated by like white people. Like white people eventually took over rock music, and I think that happened in like the late '50s. Like all of these things that I mentioned earlier, I think gave way to like white people taking over rock music in the '60s because the '50s. Like again, like Fats Domino, I think is is truly like the 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 king of rock, absolutely. And Chuck Berry yeah. is just the king of the rock star. But <laughs> dude, uh, I watched so many fucking videos this week too of Chuck Berry just ripping it up on the guitar and doing his little uh, dance, Chuck Berry is Angus Young he's style on his one leg, where he's like cocked but even down, like cooler, way cooler. Oh man, because Angus Young was such a. Such a cock man with that schoolboy uniform, and he was not a cock. Like, Young was it's dope. such a he was cool. It's, it's way, way more of a character than I mean. He is a great guitar player, but way more character than a guitar player. It's like Kiss. They're, they're like they're like the watered down version of Kiss. ACDC is the watered down version of Kiss. That's what they are. There, there was all these interviews too of like people talking to Fats Domino, and they're asking him like, "Hey, like you know this rock and roll thing?" And it's like 1955. Now this rock and roll mm-hmm. thing's blowing up, but you've been doing it since like the '40s. Are you mad that everyone else is taking credit for your songs? Because like people like Pat Boone, for instance, like Pat Boone made a career out of like redoing other people's songs shittily, just fucking whitewashing them completely, and like making a bunch of money off it. That's what fucking Pat Boone did. And Fats Domino was like, "Nah, music is dope. What they're doing is dope. I love it. I hope they keep doing it." Like that was it. Humble that as was, fuck. That was that was a. That was a direct quote from Fats Domino. Yes. Humble as fuck. That's what he said. I am humble as fuck. That's what he said. He didn't say as fuck. He said AF. Said, I am humble AF. AF. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, of course. <laughs> good times. Good, oh, good shit. times. I, I know you, I know you kind of want to talk a little bit more about, you know, 50s rock and roll, but let, let's kind of jump back into Richie Valens, uh, not Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Valens. Um, <laughs> so, so let's get into... We we're only on the two Bs right now. We're on my two B. Correct. We we barely even touched this shit. So with that, my two B is oh my head. Uh, it's wow. the last song on side A. That was, this uh, is uh, that was good. That's how it's. That's written? how no. That's how he says it too. In the <laughs> song. <laughs> I had to be. I had to be real. I had to yeah. Be real this. No. You. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, this is my, this is my number two. Uh, really the first thing when I first heard the song, I immediately thought of little Richard and then, then he brings up the song 2D free or he brings up the, the title of that song and it's like, okay, this makes sense. This was, this was 
directly influenced from Little Richard. This is probably the most aggressive song he has on this record. Yes. And because it, everything is a little blown out. His vocals are a little grittier and his his amp sounds a blown out blown out a bit. Like it's just it's a loud song and it's a little bit faster than what we're used to hearing from him, which I I think is it's cool. I think it's really cool. But what do you got on this one? So like there's a I can't remember what show was on, but there's a, a video of, of Richie Valens doing this song on a show mm-hmm. on like one of the movies I talked about earlier from the fifties where it's just like shitty fucking movies from the fifties. And, uh, God, there's a guy, there's a fucking dude's name that I cannot remember off the top of my head, but it's really good footage of Richie Valens playing this song, like on the guitar. And it's mm-hmm. in like a dinner setting and like the band stops playing and then, Richie plays and everyone's like, oh, who is this guy? This is fucking kind of good. And like the girls are getting into it. But Richie's playing a the guitar that you like. The the, the fucking full bodied F cut oh, hollow things. Dude. The Gretsch guitar? Yeah, he's yeah. playing those stupid ass guitars and <laughs> like he rips it up in this video and it's fucking cool. It's fucking dope. And this song is absolutely a fucking banger. This song is perfect. It Where is does like, it sit for you? This is my four B. Okay, okay. 4B. That's good. 4B. That's good. Yeah. Whereas the next on Alabama, I wish... Actually, like I, I would just run up and, and take the needle off because Alabama is the last song on my record. So I'd put it up. The song's super short, though. It's like a minute and a half. I mean, every song... I think the longest song is three minutes long. But Maybe this Alabama is the first song. I think it's the first... Alabama is the first on side B. Is it? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Alabama is the first song on side B and then, oh, my head it finishes side A. My yed? I, th- I think that... that <laughs> my yed... oh it's stupid that's stupid Mm -hmm. uh i forgot what i was gonna say now i lost my train of thought but that's fine it probably wasn't anything important anyway oh my Uh, head richie valens oh my head yes who was that guy's Uh, name i'm going as you speak i'm gonna i forgot i have a new laptop i'm gonna google it real quick you're just gonna google it so what i was gonna do i was gonna play the song a bit oh yeah yeah, and then kind of kind of go into that and then uh Talk about it, talk about it a little bit more. So here it is. Oh, my head from the Richie Valens. There you go. Oh, my head. From Richie Valens. And like I said, he really channels his his inner 
Little Richard on this. Everything. The inflection in his voice. Oh, it's so well, like, Little Richard. I you're just it. waiting for him to stop and like, bop, bop, baloo, bop, 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 do it for day. Like, you're just you're waiting <laughs> for that, much, yeah. that drop. So that, <laughs> That's, I, I, you're totally right. I found the video. I still can't find what, what show it's on. But it, um, so like, R- Richie Valens is with three girls sitting at a table watching Chuck Berry play. And oh. like on the stage. And at some point, Chuck Berry's like, oh, yeah, like, uh, thanks you guys for having me. But check this dude out. And he calls Richie up to the stage to play like this song, Ooh My Head. And what movie is dope. this from? I, it's from a movie from the 50s. I can't remember what it is. And the oh, description you on, on YouTube doesn't say. And I can't send How it to you because it's on my weird. computer. But I don't, maybe oh, I, don't, yeah. well, I, I don't. Send me a WhatsApp. Send, send, it, send it to me through WhatsApp. We haven't oh, started doing that yet. I don't know how to do oh, that. Oh, my God. I'll do it real quick. Hold I'll, on. I'll keep Wait the tab open. I'll keep the tab open. Hold on. I'll send, I'll send you a message on WhatsApp right now. But this, um, th- this is very much of like the 50s and of the, like these movies that came out in the 50s where you have, you have somebody that wrote a cool song and then now you want to write a movie around how to incorporate that song into like the 40-minute mark to make an hour and a half movie. And that's what this looks like. But yeah, this song is clearly like like a. When I say like rip off, that's because most, if not all, of fifties rock and roll is a rip off of rhythm and blues, of blues music, of gospel music. But yes, this is very much of Little Richard, and I swear you just you're waiting for him to go into that bop bop a loo bop that <laughs> breakdown into the tutti frutti part. So this is very Seriously. much Little Richard song, which is fine because you know that's that's what we were doing in the fifties. I, I really l- like the the drum shuffle too. That sounds like a train. You know, it sounds like a a fucking train going along. That I can't even try to do it with my mouth. I'm not no, do try. it. You almost did it. But um, but yeah, I I I think this song is just it's absolute perfection. That's what it is, and it and his guitar solo is so fucking loud in the mix. Yeah, it just adds to the, it's how abrasive of a song this is, and and I understand why they they kind of sequenced the re- the song on this record this way because you can't put this at the front of the record. Like this has to be at the, either the end of side a or B and putting it, you can't be doing it on side B cause that's pretty much all covers. So putting it here is like the only appropriate place. Yeah. But damn man, that's a, that is quite the fucking banger. So do you want me to play any of this? The, what you sent me? No, the, no, no, it's just, just, it's watch, just yeah, it's just it's reference for, your for later. Only. It's for your eyes only. Yeah, okay. That's reference it. for later. Okay. Got it. Got it. So yeah, oh my head from Richie Valens is my two B. So what do you got for your three B? In a Turkish town. In a Turkish town. You know what? I hate how cheesy this is. I hate how goofy this is. But come on, (laughs) come on. I mean, it's my it's my three B as well. When he drops in with it in a (laughs) Turkish town. It's so stupid. It's like molasses spilling out of your mouth. It's so good. (laughs) I will say, I mean, like really, really sitting down and listening to this song, the only thing that makes this song sound kind of, you know, world sounding or exotic sounding is the bell. That's it. Yeah. Like everything else is typical Richie Valens, but that one singular bell that plays like a metronome through the entire song is what make is what makes the difference on this song. Yeah. That's a that, completely different feel to it. The fact that he says the word Turkish. 
Well, that too, yeah, yeah. But it's just like it's <laughs> if you take the word Turkish out and put like New York or or any states bound city, like nobody would care. True. And it's funny because <laughs> I I have the vinyl in my hand, like the '59 version, because I have an OG pressing of it. No mm-hmm. big deal. Um, the the font is the same for all tracks except for this one, and this one has like a little, I guess like a mid, mid, Middle Eastern flair to it, to like the font writing, and it's. Dude, it's like it's it's begging, it's begging, it's pathetic, it's so, it's so dumb, it's so cheesy. <laughs> so I I have my I'm holding my my actual vinyl too, my repress from like a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, mine doesn't mine has just the typical, the typical writing, but so what, above, so what does the back of yours look like? The back above, of your record look like the above jacket. above your R in Turkish town? Is it? There's there no mm. like dots or anything. No, nothing. Oh god. It's it like it, it it clearly is like a repress. I mean, on on one side of the back of the jacket, it tells like kind of a history of of Richie Valens and then on the f- bottom right, it shows the original liner notes of what was written on the original liner notes. But huh. this is like so clearly a a repress. It's definitely not not anything old. I, I would love to have an OG press, though. Like I, I, that is so fucking rad. Back to uh, Jimmy Fallon's. Jimmy Fallon's. Uh, so we talk. So what? What do we? What song are we on? I'm so lost right now. We're oh, on, in a Turkish uh, town. Yeah, in, in a, a Turkish, Turkish town. town. In a Turkish town. So let, let's play a little bit of it because I want to talk about also more about the instruments and, and lyrics too. So here's a here's a little bit of uh, in a Turkish town from the uh, the Richie Valens. the sea waits my fair loved one in a Turkish town waiting there for me and I know that someday There you go in a Turkish town from Richie Valens. Uh, yeah, man. Like I was saying, the the thing that really makes this sound more of a world, like a world sounding song, is that bell. That's it. <laughs> Otherwise, this this is just a straight up like doo wop, you know, fifties rock and roll song. That's it. <laughs> it's so weird how one thing can make it so uh, so different. Whatever though. Nothing good stuff like, i mean it's it's a complete coincidence just on my end too it's um like i've seen in various tv shows and movies 
just just the uh, what do you call it like um a simple twist of fate i guess like the butterfly effect one mm-hmm. small thing leads to dire consequences one being like buddy holly wanting to do his laundry like the 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 urban legend goes the reason why buddy holly died is because he couldn't stand having dirty underwears he he was I've never on, heard that they're on tour for dude you watch now like after i say this there's a couple other things too that people mention that that you may that you may pick up on in various shows and movies super quick mm-hmm. but like the reason why they died is cuz Bu- buddy holly couldn't stand having dirty drawers so and he chartered that plane for like a, a good amount of money yeah and it was it, a lot of money it was I like a last that. it was a last minute thing and and he just he couldn't fucking stand i mean obviously there's a lot of different factors much like the the reason why we were late on our plane coming home from Europe was because you had to take a shower in the morning. Well, that's, I mean, but like it you wasn't underst- my fault. But we we also missed like two trains on the way there. But that's fine. But um, you understand we would not have missed those trains had we been on time for those trains. Had you not taken a shower in the had morning? We, had we op- had we opened? Had we woken, woken up, up earlier? earlier. Correct. <laughs> yes. Had we uh, woken up earlier? So you like you you I mean you do understand like the silliness of it all, but you also do understand like you know where people come from with these these crazy theories. But anyway, like the Buddy Holly dirty laundry, had he not wanted to get clean laundry. But like another one is the is Constantinople, the Byzantine Empire. They it felled because someone left a gate open through that fateful battle to let everybody come in to let the Turks come in Mm. and like destroy everything, really. And I think it's I don't know. I thought it was kind of interesting that he had a Turkish town song and this whole twist of fate thing that I've heard multiple times throughout my movie going career. I didn't really grow up on movies, but I've watched movies a while. I thought that was interesting. Again, yeah, makes no difference to anybody else except for me, but I want to throw it out there. Have you never heard that? Like the reason why the Byzantine Empire fell is because someone let the gate open? I don't think I have. Honestly, I, I don't think I have. I mean, obviously, like the Turks were just completely outmatched. Like, like they, they, they were their their numbers were greater. They were going to fuck them up anyway. They had better yeah. cannons, weapons. It was going to happen anyway. But someone supposedly left a gate open and allowed them to like overrun whatever the wall was called. I'm sure friend of the pod historian Buff Justin's and be like, oh, it's fucking called this wall. I don't know what it was called, but. <laughs> yeah, they somebody left a gate open, allowed the Turks in, and that's the reason why like the Byzantine Empire fell. The same reason that Buddy Holly died because he wanted clean underwear. Clean underwear. Cause, cause is it Byzantine or is it Byzantine? I think it's Byzantine. I don't know. Maybe friend of the pod Justin will also educate me on on the proper pronunciation of the. I think it's Byzantine. Well, you never heard of the gate, so why would the fuck would I trust your judgment on anything? Uh, they you. You, that's that's true. That's okay. true. Okay. I'm not going to argue with you on that. Not that I give a fuck anyway. I mean, what, what, what are they doing for me lately? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> right? And uh, I, going back to this song in particular, too, the this is one of the few moments where the, the guitar and bass are really intertwined very well with one another. Hmm. They, they're kind of playing along with one another rather than one playing over the other like it's almost like a back and forth between the two of them which i think i thought was really it was really cool on this one yeah lyrically um, though i I think it's kind of lame but 
most no, of the stupid, time. Silly boy talk. Let's um yeah, let's let's get into how okay, so did you listen so he has two albums and a live album really, right? Oh 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 Richie Valens does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well I mean the second album is like half it's half finished stuff and half demos, so it's not like a real second album. I mean, like, so his first album came out after he died. So, he, like, Richie Valens never even got to see an album release. It, mm-hmm. it was all released after he died. Yeah, the second album came out. A lot of kind of unfinished stuff, touched up stuff in the studio. The real kicker was the third album or the live album that he did at Pacoima Junior High School. Did you listen to that I one? I didn't listen to that. No, I, I wanted to. I, I, I didn't get a chance to. So, like, it's not good by, like, any aspect. Like, the first half of it's live the second half of it is just unused shit that they were just putting out to make a little bit of money. And even the first half, they threw on Come On, Let's Go, but they put out a demo version that doesn't even sound like like Come On, Let's Go as we know it. So it's essentially just like three or four songs ending in La Bamba. But like what's really cool about this is that not only is this possibly, if not the first live rock and roll album of all time. Oh yeah. 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 I do but it's, that. but it's also like, like hearing these, the, he, this is his middle school. It's not a high school. This is his middle school. Like that just shows <laughs> you how young he was when he fucking died. Is he went back to his middle school to perform a show. Most people go back to their high school. Nobody ever goes back to the middle school. That's how young he was when he, he was died. only like halfway through his high school career. Exactly. He was like, he was <laughs> he was 14 when he really kind of like got noticed and then he was like 15 when he eventually said goodbye. So all he yeah. really knew was his friends in middle school. And so he went back to his middle school and it's kind of cute because you can kind of it's, it's endearing. You can kind of you can hear like the opening of each track. It's like some girl and she's like, "Oh, Richie, like do you mind playing Summertime Blues?" which is not even a Richie Valens song, it's an Eddie Cochran song. And he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll play it. That's cool. And it's just him and a drum and a drummer. That is it. And the drummer does really nothing. The quality is horrible. And the opening track is just an introduction by Bob. And he's like, yeah, the quality is really bad, but we didn't know what was going to happen. So we didn't have like professional quality here. This is, this is what we got. Sorry. Well, I think it was, from what I was reading too, I think it was recorded from like a student. Like a student brought their tape recorder. That was it. And recorded it, right? Yeah. It wasn't even like a, an adult or a teacher or anything. It was a fucking student. And nobody even knew it existed. <laughs> like, nobody even knew it existed yeah, for until like, like years a year. And years and years. Yeah. Yeah. And people it's were pretty just, wild. Yeah, people were calling in constantly. Where the fuck? We want more Richie Valens. And, and someone was like, yeah, I recorded that Pacoima thing. So check it out. So I couldn't, I didn't really see anything. I didn't do, didn't look too hard into it, but the cover of the album we're doing, the Richie Valens record. So the cover, it looks like he's playing in front of like a fucking stadium, like because yeah. the, the the picture on the, on the cover is is him in the forefront, and then in the background it's all blurred, but it looks like he's playing to like a packed stadium, but I don't think he ever played anything remotely that that big. No. So I don't like that. I really because he he primarily just played played clubs at the most, at the biggest were were clubs that weren't even probably packed. I almost think like so like I, I I have looked it up before and I almost think like that's not supposed to be people. That's supposed to be like a glitter background. It's like a backdrop mm. rather than like a stadium. That's what I think I didn't I didn't uh I didn't look it up this week either, but I have done it before and I think that's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be 
like just a backdrop of glitter. But in doing so, it's, you know, like ostensibly going to look like a bunch of people pixelated yeah, and you immediately and think out that. of focus. So I, I, I think it's, it's a way to be like, oh, no, that's not at a live performance. That's just a backdrop. But like in a, in a, in a subtle way, trying to trick us into thinking that he was bigger than he was. I th- that's probably what it was, honestly. And like honestly, that that cover, dude, he is so ugly on that cover. Oh, <laughs> just dude, an ugly ass seventeen year old. Which we, I mean, we already touched upon that. Yeah, his appearance. Uh, okay, so do do we have anything left on in a Turkish town? No, we're dude, we're right. fuck, man. So your four B was what was it? Donna, right? No, it was uh, ooh my head, ooh, or or you said ooh, oh my head, ooh, my head. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so La Bamba is my number four, is my four B. So what do you got for your five B? I like Boney Maroney. Boney Maroney, a cover. You like I, a cover, huh? I like Boney Maroney, but a close one would also be Bluebirds. I like Bluebirds a lot too. So Bluebirds was the only song that did not make it as a banger for me. Oh wow, okay. okay. I thought I thought Bluebirds was such a run of the mill song. Like, there's nothing. To me, there was nothing memorable about this song at all. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, unless you have something. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I got nothing on this one really. Uh, I mean, the second half I think is is weaker than the first half. Oh, for sure. And I think that's. I think that just stems from also. I know that they're, they're almost all covers, if not one is just co-written by somebody else. So I just. I. I'm always going to gravitate towards the first half that he wrote mostly. So. I don't know, given that, but I was more so going along the line with the guy that wrote the original version of that, the the Bluebird Ursula song. Ursula Hickey? Yeah, dude. Ursula the guy's Hickey. so cool looking. He was so cool. <laughs> I guess. But then reading about it, or reading more about him, he the only like he didn't really do anything. I mean, the, his two biggest songs were when Richie Valens did this song and then the Beach Boys did this song as well. But outside of that, I mean, he didn't really write anything, and but he was still inducted into the Rock and Roll, or not the Rock and Roll, the, the Rockabilly, the Rockabilly yeah. Hall of Fame. Yeah, the Rockabilly Hall of Fame. I don't even, don't even know what that is, but oh, it's the Hall of Fame, of like Rock and Roll, but it's for Rockabilly music. Oh, okay, yeah, that's it's similar. That's fun. Think of like hip hop Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but without the Rock and Roll or hip hop. So that was a dumb. Song. Okay, <laughs> that was a good song, but that's fine. Well, I mean, what, what do you? What what stands out for you on this? One? Well, Boney Maroney is is a better. I mean, Boney Maroney. Oh, Boney, yeah, Boney Ramoni. Uh, yeah, yeah. That that song is actually really good. Is that not a and that a, guy's a B story? For you? No, that is it is. It's a um, it's my seven B. Mm-hmm. Boney Maroney is my seven B, and the the guy's backstory I thought was yeah Larry was Williams. Yeah, right? he That's was Larry uh, Williams. Yeah, Larry Williams. He um he died very young. He died at forty four by suicide. Supposedly, but, uh, he, supposedly, yeah. There was there's been a lot of conspiracies behind that. Uh, but he was very you know into the the drug scene, you know, prostitution and all that kind of stuff. He had a close relationship relationship with Little Richard, which became sour at a certain point, which actually turned supposedly turned Little Richard's life around, and he became a a preacher after that. And which come on don't really buy but um but yeah no he was uh apparently he was a pretty crazy guy and he died very young but uh but no this is a this is a really good song and the lyrics are they're just stupid (laughs) 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 they're so they're so silly about like loving like a really skinny girl and 
not caring what other people think and uh, what a difference it makes from you know society nowadays. It'd be the complete opposite. I just, I, I love referring to her as Bony Maroney. Yeah, she's Boney as skinny Maroney. as a stick of macaroni. <laughs> so, <laughs> so good. It's so three year old. It's so like uh, <laughs> whatever Blues Clues or whatever show is popular now with yeah. toddlers. That's what it is. But yeah, there's there's nothing deep here whatsoever, and it's just it's. Mm-hmm. But it's a really good song. It, it is. Cute, it is a really, really good song. Yeah. Should I play a little bit of it? I mean, what? what whatever you want to do, kid. No, this is your pod. What do you want me to do? We we are. No, that's fine. How yeah. many bingers do we have left? I mean, we could. I could. Dude, we could talk about this entire album, and there's there's so much other stuff too. I just we got to reel it in at some point. I mean, I feel like we've played all the big ones. Yeah, all the stuff that are right? really memorable uh, have been played. That's fine. My top four. Outside of like, I'm that's good. my little Susie. Like, that's really the only one we haven't played. That is his song. Yeah, which is a right. Well, I think he co-wrote it with his boy. Well, he co-wrote there. it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but I, I mean, it's not a straight-up cover. And I think that one's cool because it's it's a it's a misprint on the original versions. Like they fucked it up. It's it's I got a gal named Sue on the original versions that I have yeah. in my hand right now because <laughs> I have an OG press. That's it's so no big cool. deal. Okay, yeah, keep rubbing it in. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. So I, I mean, that's that's cool. And I think it's a banger of an opening too. I think it's a really good song to open the record. It it drives hard. It it kind mm. of, it kind of like it's like a thesis statement. Like we always say, like it's a good way to get you into what this album is going to be about. And then it drops within a Turkish town, which is the opposite <laughs> of what you would think is going to happen. And yeah. then it comes back in with "Come on and let's go." Like it's like the sequencing of this album is just up and down. It's like a roller coaster. But it makes it exciting. It makes I know. It very, I, it's very exciting. so fucking good. And after when, Come when On, I, Let's Go is Donna. Like, it's just, what are you doing to me? And even with um, with with this song, That's My Little Susie, I don't, I mean, it's obviously, it's my 6B, but it doesn't, it it doesn't have anything that sets it apart from the other songs like Donna and Turkish and whatever, you know? But it has, it's just like a straight up good rockabilly dance song dance number as some would say and i feel like this is one of the only songs on the record that has a lot of palm mutes you don't hear a lot of palm mutes coming from richie valens except in this song he does it a lot and it's so crisp and it just sounds so nice and pleasant i really like that a lot the the palm mutes are what really really got me on this one even the drummer kind of ripped it up a little bit he had a lot of cool stuff going on on this one um but then after this, yeah, it's it's very up and down, but in all the best ways, for sure, for sure. I think like the 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 personnel on this album too is just the house band of Delphi Records too. I don't think it was anybody super noteworthy. I think it was mm-hmm. just whoever was was the studio musician drummer for Delphi. Yeah, I didn't I didn't see anybody that had much of a history <clears throat> outside of Valens for Robert Kuhn. But then also, you know, going to Delphi Records, I mean, I, I thought his label was pretty cool and kind of what he stood for. And he was very much like the anti, the anti-hero to record labels where he didn't really, he just like, if you want to record something, let's make a quick deal and record something. I'll put it out and then you're done. There's no contract. He was kind of like, I, I thought it was cool. He was, was kind of like an early Steve Albini. Like he was just. Let's get our shit done. Call it a day. I want you yeah. to have as much creative control as possible, but I'm still going to make a little bit of money. Yeah, I think exactly. 
And I think that's that's why I kind of was upset of the casting of the guy who played Bob Keane is because that guy's just everything I've seen him in is just an anti-hero, like bad guy. But mm-hmm. like Bob Keane or Robert Kuhn is not like he wasn't a bad dude. Yeah, he seems like he was he was very much into into Valens and I mean he knew what he he knew that Valens was going to be huge. I feel like he really did. But he he really gave everybody an opportunity and a chance. I I th- I really liked his story. Like I mean it's not like a super in-depth story. I didn't go super into it, but yeah. the the stuff that I did read was I thought he was really really cool and then he Wait, was it was it him like he quit the music business for like in 1965 and he became like a burglar alarm salesman like he started a an alarm company like in 1965 to sell only to like musicians <laughs> and like celebrities and he did that for a long time and then he reopened Delphi when when the the La Bamba movie came out in 1987 he reopened that label for like 10 years and signed a couple new acts, but then like re-released all the Valen stuff, re-released a bunch of other stuff as well, because of that boom after that that movie came out. But yeah, he became I mean, a fucking alarm salesman. <laughs> yeah, nineteen sixty five. It's just crazy. He, yeah, he, I don't know. He's kind of a cool guy. A lot of other cool he like is. people that were on the Delphi record label, and I don't know. I, I didn't read anything negative about him except that he worked with Sam Cooke, and Sam Cooke I could th- turned out to be a douchebag. So did That's he? I don't know much about Sam Cooke, but. Yeah, Sam Cooke's a guy that is so revered by, by the music industry and and anybody that likes soul and R and B. But he he got killed by a motel owner because he tried to rape some fucking girl and then tried oh, to beat fuck. the shit out of like the hotel owner. So she shot him in the face and the chest and he died. And everyone like called into question the person that shot him. He's just not a good dude. How I've never heard of any of this. I mean, I've know th- I know the name Sam Cooke, but I I didn't know any of that. Yeah. He's an asshole. Oh. But, I mean, he had a fucking fantastic voice. Oh, fuck. All right, so um, back to back to Richie Valens, another fucking... Yeah, um, dude, back to our golden boy, tangent. Richie, baby. I love Richie. Richie, baby. Come on. Uh, should we should we play a little bit of That's My Little Susie, or what, what do you want to do? Should we talk I'm, about more, or do you want to wrap it up? What do you we, either, do? we either go on for another hour about the history of rock and roll in the 50s, or we can <laughs> just wrap it up. Either way, I'm, su- I'm equally happy doing both. I think we should wrap it up. I mean, we're we're like we're. I think we're exactly two hours in right now. I literally could go on for like another hour, two hours, <laughs> just talking about rock and roll in the fifties. No, I, can, I know. I'll do rock and roll in the fifties pre Elvis, just up until like <laughs> fifty five. But we'll have to save that for another artist, like Fats Domino and whoever you know. Ain't that a shame? I mean, I've I've been wanting to do Little Richard for a little while, so it would be fun to get into a Little Richard episode. But okay, so so let's uh, let's wrap it up. Let's give our uh, our final thoughts, and then we'll give our rating of this record uh, from our world famous three point rating system. Where three is a perfect album, two is a good album. You're going to continue to listen to one is a bad album, but give it a shot. And zero is the worst thing you've ever heard. A trash fire, some might say. So what do you got, Jeff? Go. So I mean, I'm going to do one of those things that I, I've I've done. I've only done a couple times. I don't do it very often because it's stupid. And I don't like it. But I'm going to give this two different rating. I'm going to give it like my objective rating and a subjective uh, rating. You're going to give us this the the Justin rating. Well, yes. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to give it. I'm going to give, give it the, the Justin JM. rating. And I'm going to give it the JM. I'm going to give it the JM. The JM so, rating. The JM. Because I want to say his last name in case he gets mad. But just I'm gonna say, give it the JM. Just say JM rating. Say the, JM rating. The, I'm, I'm going to give it the JMR. So JMR, yeah, okay. Uh, on the one hand, yeah. like this album is it's 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 
it's not great. It really is not great. You put it up to to Buddy Holly's like Rave On stuff. You put it up to uh, the Big Bopper. I mean, Big Bopper wasn't that great to be honest. But you put it up to like like Chuck Berry's Dozen Berries, Little Richard stuffs, Eddie Cotton. Like there's the, it goes on and on and on. This is yeah, not yeah. like the greatest. He's I don't think Richie Valens is like the great. I think Buddy Holly's again the greatest guitarist of the fifties. I don't think Richie Valens has the greatest voice. I think there's just a lot of things that he is just okay to good at. And so given that he's writing a lot of songs that are, that are really, really good, but he was just too young to be able to write a full album. And that's not his fault because he died super early, but I can't give him more credit than what's on this album. Cause the second half starting with La Bamba is just not that great. It really just not. It's not that great. That first half is fucking perfect, like beyond perfect. And again, come on, let's go. Is my favorite rock and roll song of all time. But the second half is is a little lackluster. So like my mm-hmm. my objective rating, this is like a two point two five for sure. Like this is this is solid rock and roll okay. music. This is from a guy that is that is breaking barriers. And again, coming out of Pacoima, like. Like anybody that doesn't even know where the fuck Pacoima is probably wouldn't be able to pronounce <laughs> Pacoima. And like, who the fuck cares where Pacoima is? Because that's just who, desert. Who gives a Los fuck Angeles. about the, Who gives a fuck about the San Fernando Valley, right? Dude, really? My God, fuck <laughs> out of here, dude! I don't care. It's just like that's coming from fucking Orange County. <laughs> it's just desert it's such Los a Angeles. Dick thing. It is. It's such I don't a care. Dick thing for us to fuck. say. It's fucking shit traffic. It's a fuck that. I don't uh, care. I don't care. But I mean, like, just like Pacoima, that that San Fernando Valley area in itself is just rich in history of of having, you know, like land taken from them by that indigenous people. The the I think the Tongvas is that who did the Tongva? Mm, I'm not sure. I, I think it's a Tongva tribe. Whoever it is was taken from them, and I mean, there's just there's a lot of history in Los Angeles of of white people taking things from other people. I mean, look. Oh at, yeah, it's terrible. Look it's at terrible. the Dodger organization, how they built the fucking first stadium. That's that's fine. Oh, that's a whole nother like discussion right there. But uh, it's 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 just it's cool to see this kid kind of come up and and start something that um I don't know that 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 laid groundwork. You know what I mean? That laid groundwork, and that's cool because we may not have had a Carlos Santana, and if we didn't have a Carlos Santana, like fuck, man, I don't know if I want to listen to like cool ass psychedelic music in the seventies and shit. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know if I want to. So. So I get like the iconicness of of Richie Valens. I get it. Objectively, I'm doing two point two five. Subjectively, though, like I don't know. I mm, even Obama. I pretend like I hate it so much, but I listened to this song so much growing up, and like it's every single fucking party I went to, every quinceanera I went to, every family gathering I went to, every uncle I saw get way too fucking drunk, sang La Bamba before you know he got choked out by the other cousins and. So it's it's fun. It was fun. I like I like it's fine. I, I, I would I would give I would probably give this a three, honestly. Like subjectively, I'd probably give this like a three. It is just so goddamn good. I love Richie Valens. I love his story. It is tragic, but we love tragedies. That's why Romeo and Juliet is the most popular Shakespeare oh God, play. We, we love here tragedies, here. baby. As humans, we love tragedies. We do. What Fact. what does Matt Skiba say in um Black Tragedy. <laughs> Wait, what's the next line? <laughs> Erase my memory. Ugh. <laughs> That's a terrible song. That's like the, one of the worst songs. Well, except for that little drum part that comes in. 
That's kind of cool. No, it's not, it, there's like some terrible shit on that record. Uh, but anyway, yeah, continue. I'm sorry. So you gave no, us a... No, that's, that's all I got. An so aggregate. A, an aggregate of like 2.6, I guess. 2.5.5. 2. 2.5.5. 2. 5. Does that make sense? <laughs> all right. Yeah. All right. An IP address here. I know, right? Uh, all right so my my final thoughts um i'm not i'm not as big into to the rock and roll thing as you are i've always really liked it and and enjoyed it and i love this whole i love watching movies and tv shows from this era i think it's just so fascinating and just this, this part of history was very very interesting and this is a huge part of that history and um uh you know him being you know half mexican half indian native american i should say uh was was huge and his his influence was monumental um i don't know man i i don't have anything bad to say about this record i think it's every every song is great all but one song are a banger and i i can't give this a perfect 3 because that latter half it's not as good because they're covers and I just want to, I just wish we could have heard more of, of Richie Valens and it sucks, but that, that beginning, the, the first side, man, it, it is, it's just unbelievable how good those songs are. Um, but with that being said, I'm going to have to give this one a 2.5, 2.5 out of three oh. because of that second half and had, you know, I had to even live like another year, another know, fucking year. Dude. And put out That's a proper, and, and literally put out a proper full length that was all of his own music. It could easily have been one, like one of, if not the greatest record of all time. I really honestly believe it. Because yeah, no. at 17, writing those first four or five songs is absolutely unreal. Like it's, it's really, really, really phenomenal how mature and mature, not just his voice, but his songwriting was at the time. I can't believe it. I just can't fucking believe it. But yeah, that's he, my like he, he wasn't he wasn't that far off from like Buddy Holly's first album either. Like Buddy Holly's first album was in the late fifties, like a year before this one came out. So he was he was out of it. I mean, he was already into his twenties, which is not. It was just still very fucking young. But like Buddy Holly's first album came out in like nineteen fifty eight, and then Richie Valens they they died in fifty eight, and then Richie Valens released in nineteen fifty nine. So it's like he was only so far away from Buddy Holly's first album. Buddy Holly blew up so much quicker, just yeah. so much faster. So you're right. Like fucking even six months. Give Richie Valens six months. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, could, things it, could it, be it, so much different. It could have been. I mean, it, it still boggles my mind every time I think about it when just knowing that he was he only was around for eight months. His professional career was only eight months. That's it. That's it. That's all. That's insane that's to me. All. It's absolutely insane to me. So, uh, so yeah, two point five. Pretty much just because of the covers, on the latter half. That's but fine. Great stuff. I'm I'm totally into it, and I can't wait till we do like a, uh, like another rock and roll band like Buddy Holly, Chuck Berry, which I can't believe we've we've never done Chuck Berry, right? We have done Chuck Berry. Did we? Oh, we yeah. did. You're right. You're right. You're right. We did. We did. We did. But whatever, we'll we'll do something. I don't know, sometime in the future. But uh, yeah, thank you all for listening to the podcast. Go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, give us five stars. You know the drill. Have fun with that. And uh, thank you all for listening once again. Yeah, thank you. And um, that's it. 
That's all. That's all. Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly. We both said it. <laughs>we both watched La Bamba, the, the, the movie yeah, about did. Richie Valens starring Lou Bega, not Lou Bega. <laughs> what was his name? <laughs> what is it? Who oh is Lou God, Bega? Is Lou Bega is the fucking, uh, Lou Bega's, uh, Mambo, Mambo number, number five. five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lou Diamond Phillips. Why did I say Lou Bega? Oh I don't my know. God, that's so good. I don't know. Yeah, starring Lou Bega and like making a bunch of money off it. That's what fucking Pat Boone did. And Fats Domino was like, nah. Music is dope. What they're doing is dope. I love it. I hope they keep doing it. Like that was it. Humble that as was, fuck. That was a that was a direct quote from Fats Domino. Yes. Humble as fuck. That's what he said. I am humble as fuck. That's what he said. He didn't say as fuck, <laughs> he said AF. He said I am humble AF. AF. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, of course. <laughs>